two icons stand face to face, ready to be immortalized in epic glory. Of course, I refer to Billy and Chuck. You look so good to me. It's WrestleMania X8 Part 2 this week on Nothing Good. Well, hello. <laughs> Welcome yeah, back, folks. That's Welcome a hell back. Show yet again. <laughs> X8, X2, everybody. Oh, man. We need Nightcrawler snapping up the White House if, up if, in her. If we, yeah. added a, if we added a third X, this would not be, uh, would not be able to be sharing on the, uh, on the different podcasts. No. Or we could, it's harder. What are you talking about? We regularly, <laughs> routinely ha- talk about really near Bukaka situations with Doc and the Sega channel. We have we've added a fourth X to the show long since <laughs> added a fourth X to the show. But are you guys ready to um, to get our X8 on here? Let's dive right Absolutely. back in. Bring it right where we left off. Uh, we go backstage where Mighty Molly Holly fucking absolutely gives Hurricane Helms post concussion syndrome. Love uh, it. With a frying pan. <laughs> I love it. Uh, that that, that frying pan sounds amazing. That's Becoming, one of my favorite WrestleMania moments, just watching him get hit in the head with a frying pan. Beco- yeah, becoming the second woman to ever win a men's championship in the WWF and the first woman to ever win the hardcore championship. So interesting. And Molly Holly, I, I don't want to rag on this segment too much because like some of all time underrated and most respected performers. Mm-hmm. Molly Holly, Nora Greenwald is like like the entire slapped an entire generation of wrestlers to her back. And make sure they knew how to work. So, uh, cheers to Molly Holly, Hall of Famer. Thankfully, yes, good to go. But in the strangest sequence that we can say, here in the dead middle of this freaking show, is Stone Cold Steve Austin going toe to toe with Scott Hall and Kevin Nash in his corner, which. We really haven't given out about the booking on this show a lot. We've had matches with Japanese shampoo commercials and motivational speakers and all of this other horseshit in here. But you have Steve Austin, still red hot, stone cold. And a at this moment, he is sober. Scott Hall, red hot from coming back and in great condition in the mid card over really nothing but a fake cinder block angle that happens. And Kevin Nash doesn't have a match. I'm going to let the silence sit here for a minute. <laughs> we all collectively, while the internet hears us shaking our goddamn heads. <laughs> I, 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 I'm, yeah. Yeah. Here's my thing. And I'm going to complain about this later too, I'm sure. And I love Chris Jericho. Everyone knows I love Chris Jericho. And I love that Chris Jericho was the undisputed champion. And I'm happy for him that he got that opportunity. But let's say Austin wins the belt off of Jericho the previous month at No Way Out. And this matches for the World Heavyweight Championship. 
against against Hall and Austin or anything else, and it's it's fucking it's justified. Swap Jericho and Triple H in this match, and both Bob uh, Hogan and Rock to the main event, and you're fine. But Austin being in the middle of the card in 2002 is it's just shitty business sense. It doesn't make any goddamn sense, and no wonder he fucking walks out. You know, you guys have all seen. Uh, forgetting Sarah Marshall, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. in Forgetting Sarah Marshall, there's that little montage, montage in the middle, and like right in the beginning of the first act, and where he's broken up with Sarah and he's trying to get back out there and everything. And it's all the weird sexual encounters he's having. This match was that sexual encounter when he's banging the girl and she's like, oh, oh, oh. I just came. And then she like rolls over and goes to bed. That's that's how I felt about this match. Like I I've never it made me it as as I mean you guys and know and I don't know if I've ever really mentioned this to our listeners maybe but once but um Stone Cold Steve Austin, my favorite wrestler of all time. There is there's Stone Cold and then there's a long list of nothing then there's Chris Jericho and everybody else kind of follows suit afterwards uh, to see him almost like felt like just going through the motions. Just it, it hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, and exactly like you said, there were, there were really no stakes to this. And when you have a collection of these three iconic yes. personalities and wrestlers with like no angle, nothing on the line, you felt that. In this in this match, I, I of all the matches on this card, everybody, this is the one I have the least amount of notes for, because it was just well, here they are, and they're gonna wrestle, and somebody's gonna win, and it's probably gonna be the WWE guy because that's pretty much the theme, you know the 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 WCW guys pretty much lose, and. Okay, and now we're going to go into the next match. It's so such a weird booking, such a weird place for it. Um, you know, not even ten minutes, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so weird. Nine something. No, yeah. So, so I want to I want to do the roundabout thing, but I want to want to sprinkle a couple of facts on here for you. This is um, we're, we're not long for the world with Steve Austin making wrestling appearances after this. He wrestled a couple of more months and then he would walk out for not doing the job to Brock Lesnar and he wouldn't wrestle another match for until 11 till February of 2003. And then in uh, March of 2003, that's his last match. So we are, can count on one hand how many Steve Austin matches we have left. This is the final pay-per-view match mm-hmm. on WWF pay-per-view or WWE pay-per-view for Scott Hall. Kevin Nash would make a lot more pay-per-view experiences. But Kevin Nash's last WrestleMania match was actually WrestleMania 12, six years before that, because he'd show up on a couple of WrestleManias standing in somebody's corner. And I, I, I was going to save this for my segment, but I'm just going to, before I toss it to the first one of you bastards, I just want to say that the whole reason that Hall and Nash got a lot of flack, because everyone knows they took WCW for a ride, Made a lot of money to do as very little as they possibly could. They did a lot. That's not 
disparage that. They did a lot for WCW. Fucking lifted the whole wrestling business up. But when the time came, they made a shit ton of money to do as little as they possibly could. Because why wouldn't you? I would. Absolutely not. And the idea that they were going to come into the WWF and do the same thing. And then Vince McMahon said, no, they aren't. And they stood in front of all the boys and said, no, we aren't. And then immediately Kevin Nash says, fuck, yes, I am. And stands outside the ring at the mid-card of WrestleMania and makes as much money for taking two bumps as he would have if he'd ever actually fucking wrestled a match. Also, he would tear his quad very shortly after this and, and be out for a while. So, Kevin Nash, man, fucking, we should all be as smart as that guy. There's a lot of... There's, there's a lot of quad tearing going on around this time too. It is. I don't know what they were injecting directly into their quads, but or elsewhere. But it's it's suspect. It's suspect the best. But <laughs> let's get let's get into Steve Austin versus Scott Hall featuring Kevin Nash on guest vocals. Jafar, what do you think about this thing? That was a way to put it on guest vocals. I like that. Uh, it was an okay match. I mean, it, there was no emotional investment in it. You could tell that Austin you know, at his bionic knees and he was towards the end of his career in terms of his physical ability. Scott Hall looked fucking jacked. He looked great. Yeah. Yeah. He was in peak form. Uh, I'm amazed he didn't get a concussion after getting his head smashed into the turnbuckle about 30 times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and, and we all knew if Nash was out there, then Nash was going to be involved in the match more so than Scott Hall was. Uh, and, and it worked out that way. You know, the ref got taken out. Everybody got the fucking stunner. Even Austin got a stunner from Hall. Yeah. Um, but you knew Austin was going to win. I mean, that was predetermined from the get-go. Like you could tell that's the way that that's the way the entire night was going. Uh, that regardless of whether WCW was here, let's remind the WCW guys that they were there and we're here, <laughs> even though they're here too. They're, but they're at a lower level. So it was an all right match. Like I said, I I love Austin. I love Hall. It was just an odd placement in the card overall. Yeah, good point. Good point. Mac, thoughts on this? Um, this match had a beginning. It had a middle. And it had an end. And uh, that's that's how I felt about it. I felt like if we had everybody over, I would have been so geared for this match. And I would have, at the end of it, just gotten up and, and gone for a walk. Because there was just there was there was no fire to it. And a pay-per-view that had so much fire, and mm-hmm. it really did. You had a fucking crowd that was hot for pretty much everything that was going on that wasn't drowning pool. <laughs> and... <laughs> Um, like the only thing of enthusiasm I felt in the entire paper, like the entire match was the final stunner where Hall sold the shit out of it. But like the previous two or three stunners, I felt like he was faking his orgasms. Like it was just so disinterested, you know, oh, I got stunned. It just, you know, you, you really do feel that that was the case with, um, with Austin, you could tell that the the interest is not there anymore, and that's the big, that's the big thing. Uh, when you're that big for that long, for 
and and that hot for that long, at some point the ride comes to an end. And and really, how do you how do you come to terms with that when at some point you have to start doing the favors for other people, and you have to start you know taking a a side seat to another generation of people coming through? How do you how do you look at your personality and say, am I going to do that? I can't do that. Can can you even do that? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really what's going, I think going on here, you're seeing all those different types of things happening. And, um, you know, it's, it's unfortunate, you know, like you said, we only have a few more months of stone cold, the WWE at this point. Um, so, so yeah. Understood doc thoughts on Austin versus hall featuring Nash. Uh, so interestingly, Stone Cold Steve Austin, arguably the greatest WWF champion of all time. Uh, his last title reign was in 2001. I thought that was a, when I read that, I'm like, what, real? No, yeah, it, it had been a while. Uh, Steve Austin is a unique case in terms of his sense of self worth, his sense of his legacy in his career so much that he will shoot himself in the foot multiple times walk out uh you know take his ball and go home as they say um and it's really unfortunate uh and 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 i'm gonna be hypercritical of steve austin here uh because he made a lot of money stupid amounts of money as a face stupid ridiculous amounts we will never see in our lifetime Yep. Or several lifetimes. And probably and, and I'm sure consistently still gets checks for it to this day. He and his daughters are set for the next several generations, most likely, mm-hmm. due to what the machine that is the WWF and what Vince McMahon believed in and believed in him. So for six or so years, Steve Austin was the hottest thing going. Uh, and he became a household name. And he became a TV star. He became a movie star. He was on the cover of TV Guide. He was on the cover of this magazine, that magazine, commercials, the whole nine yard. He's a pop culture icon. People don't know what what professional wrestling really is, but they know what the Stone Cold Stunner probably looks like. Um, Yeah. And when he wasn't positioned properly on the card, when he's wrestling a guy that he's not super enthused about wrestling, as opposed to sucking up Buttercup, and put on the best match you can at the biggest show of them all, and arguably the biggest WrestleMania of all time, he, like Max says, goes through the motions. He kind of just does it. And the match was messy. The match was awkward. It was not fun. The crowd was hot because it's Steve Austin and Scott Hall, Razor Moon. And I'd argue, uh, with all due respect to you gentlemen, that Scott Hall was not in the best shape he's ever been. By far, uh, I feel, you know, 1995 Scott Hall will oh, have words no. with that Scott Hall. Oh, for sure. Uh, no, I don't mean to jump on you there, Doc. I'm just going to say, considering what happened after he left the WWF yeah. and went to WCW, that he showed up in that good a shape for this run. Yeah, he hit the he gym applied. before he came back. Yeah, It was sure. barely a run. He jogged a little bit. Um, <laughs> Scott Hall... Did not look good, in my opinion, uh, and I and I measure him against what he had been able to accomplish. Uh, Scott Hall looked sloppy in the ring. Scott Hall looked like he hadn't really worked because he hadn't, obviously. It was, they were a tag match, I think, 
uh, leading up the mania with Austin Rock. The, the biggest three, match uh, in the history of wrestling. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm just, uh, I'm of the thought that Steve Austin knew better and he owed the WWF a little more than what he gave. Uh, and he will admit, and he has admitted in the past and on his podcasts and in interviews that maybe he took himself just a hair too seriously sometimes. And maybe he should have just looked at the big picture and just did business a little differently. But he didn't because he is Steve Austin, Dave McDonald's favorite of all time, and and rightfully so. He's one of the greats of all time. I just, it's just a bummer that uh, he couldn't get past. He couldn't see past himself to do what could have been in those nine minutes, fifteen seconds, whatever they were, nine minutes and forty-five. He could have done something really special with Scott Hall in that match. And he didn't. And I will always be kind of disappointed. Like it matters if I am, but I'm always going to be disappointed in Steve Austin because of that. Guys, is this a stupid question to ask, but is stone cold pissed off? It's not him versus Hogan. No, no, that's not it. No. Um, they basically Austin had shot down working with Hogan because he didn't want to play politics with Hogan. Okay. Because he he would assume that he would win, and he knew that Hogan was probably the only person in the entire company better at politicking than Austin was. Okay, and so that's a whole that's a whole nother bag of tricks. But no, <clears throat> I don't think that's where the money was, so he wasn't concerned about it. <clears throat> I think he was more again not being Austin. Like his his thing is yeah, oh, why why is this WrestleMania closing? Doesn't matter if you're working with Hogan. Or why is this WrestleMania closing? And Stone Cold Steve Austin's not in the last match. That's Austin's. Theory. It didn't matter who he was working. Probably could have got away with Austin and Jericho. So then you're now he's mad at Triple H for being an up and coming babyface with his denim jacket. There's a lot of reasons. Austin, <laughs> his denim jacket. There's a lot of reasons Austin's <laughs> probably not happy. I, I, I like that this is the fifth time you've mentioned Triple H and his denim jacket and his de- his sleeveless denim jacket, <laughs> his denim vest jacket over a leather jacket because <laughs> nothing says I'm gonna kick your ass like ba- making sure that I'm definitely warm for the can- brisk. Canadian weather. It's a very Canadian outfit that you just described there, too. Canadian tuxedo. It's like the biker version of Bret Hart on Canadian currency outfit. Which, by the way, I'm just going to say this now. How goddamn dare we have reviewed any wrestling, and the only time we've ever talked about Bret Hart wrestling a match was just passingly mentioning Montreal when we did. We haven't got a chance to actually review a proper Bret Hart wrestling match. And we've just got a request from our super fan who wants us to review a match and Bret Hart. I don't even know if he's on that. If he is, it's a tag team match. I don't, I don't even, I don't even know. We gotta, we gotta fucking find a way around this. In, in, oh, in we will. Future. We absolutely <laughs> it's will. Coming. Uh, I, yeah, I, I basically am echoing everyone's sentiments. I, I gave out a lot before, in the beginning of this about this match's placement on the card, but <clears throat> I think it all boils down that despite a lot of the factors that you could probably say, yeah, Austin's injuries are starting to add up and he doesn't have, he has a year left in his career and yeah, Hall's coming off of recovery and hasn't worked a lot. And yeah, Nash is a good (laughs) sneeze away from tearing another quad and all of these other (laughs) factors going on, but the, the recipe is there. And I think there's moments in this match that everyone, even Austin, everyone hustles for a split second, at least right. That shows that had everyone been properly motivated. It, like Flair was, and like Hogan and Rock were, 
and even Jericho and Triple H were later in the show. If they had been properly motivated, this had the recipe to be something badass. We all know what Austin on fire is like. We know when Nash shows up to work, what he can actually do. And we all know about fucking Razor Ramon, right? And the fucking classics that they can do. So the recipe is there. The, the ingredients are there. It's just that I, I, I can't help but that somebody had a poisonous attitude. I don't know if that was Austin, if that was Hall, if that was Nash, if that was something, the reflection of it. It was all three, a combination of it. Jones. So uh, I listened a little bit to Steve Austin's podcast. I try to catch it as much as possible. Uh, he has spoken of, about this match and the issues he had. He didn't want to work with Scott. Uh, he just didn't want to do it. And he didn't want to work with him because he didn't think he would be clean. And I know that the assumption is that he was, but he actually, in fact, wasn't. He was having issues already. Mm. He was already struggling. Uh, he was. It, it was like a, a kind of a big deal when he was hired on when the contract was signed. Shane McMahon kind of handled that whole deal and was like, "Listen, Scott, like you got to stay clean. This is this is what you got to do." And he's like, "Of course, brother. I'm gonna, you know, obviously, I'm gonna do." It, it ain't take long. Uh, I mean, you know, Scott didn't last long. Uh, and he didn't last long for a reason yeah. because he wasn't staying clean. Uh, he was struggling. I mean, if you recall, there's that uh, segment where Austin kidnaps him. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty confident he's pouring fucking beer on him. Yes. Can we talk about how fucked up that is? Oh, it's completely Whoever fucked up. Whoever thought that was a good yeah. idea to take the guy who has a fucking alcohol abuse issue, who's struggling with it whose contingency of employment is that he stays clean, but on national television, let's embarrass him by pouring his poison all over him. I'm just saying, man. No, like, it's, it's it's completely fucked. That's always bothered me, too, is that, and then the beer bash that ends the match and all of that shit, too, right? Pouring yeah. alcohol on someone who's a recovering alcoholic is, is it, shit it's wouldn't not a good look. No, yeah. it's not a good look. It, it's and, beyond not a good look. And I know that we there was times, and I, I I wish I knew the name of the medication, but Hall had even said that he was on a medication at the time, that if he smelled alcohol, it would make him mm -hmm. physically nauseous. So the fact that he had to work with Austin, who would reek of beer from his working, and then Austin would pour beer on him, meant that Hall, I have to go to work and then vomit and then try not to get wasted after the show. It's, 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 it's a strange, weird time that here we are in 2002 and we're giving out so much about a fucking NWO match and a Steve Austin match at the same time. And I, I just think if this card wasn't so goddamn stacked that this match is in the, in the, in the mid card, I just can't help but feel that maybe you would have had a motivated Austin. and Maybe you could have seen a different, at least a different, not a long-term storyline for Hall, but at least a different output from everybody in here. But it's just weird that here's a huge one of our main events of this night, and not anyone in this match is long for this world. Within a within a year, two out of the three guys are gone from the WWE. Nash would come back for a couple of cups of coffee, stand outside the ring most of the time, and <laughs> uh, and for some reason show up and powerbomb CM Punk nine years later after this. So there's a whole there's a whole bunch of mess. But um, yeah, could have been how it could have been, I guess. So, but I, I gave this match 1.5 disappointing stars out of five. Noah, so. you, you mentioned something I think really interesting here that I, I never really put together until just this moment, like really never put together just this moment. Um, first off, I, I feel bad that I didn't even think about the Scott Hall and, and the beer angle, right? Mm -hmm. I was on watching this again. I'm on such the stone cold autopilot 
that I'm not even thinking about what's happening to, you know, at the end of the match and everything. I'm like, oh, he's drinking Molson's. How Canadian of him. Um, but talking about Kevin Nash, just standing around, doing very little, collecting a big paycheck. That was his entire role in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, The Secret <laughs> of the Use. <laughs> I mean, he, he really set that up. It's like, oh, my God, it's a super shredder. The turtles are going to be in for the fight of their life. No, he just basically stood around, bumped into some shit, and then died. There was, <laughs> there, there was no fight. There was no match. There was no nothing. We're turtles. And <laughs> then they just got in their shells and went for a swim while the pier fell on top of them. Super, super shredder. Um died because of shardy carpentry work yeah that's it that's yeah. it right that is definitely was not a, that was a non-union pier and there was no osha regulations there and no the only i didn't i didn't see anybody working no you know, when a, do you ever go to a pier and somebody's not working yeah a whole lot of scaffolding that looked a real rickety for scaffolding no right a lot yeah of scaffolding. so uh but yeah there we go there we go so there's that match um we get that i just want to point out this is one of the first times i ever really remember them uh, throw into a recap of WWF access, right? I made, I made a note of that as well. That whole access promo. Yeah. It's, so and weird. Hope, it's a hope, weird time. It's a weird time because obviously WrestleMania access has become this whole basically huge convention thing. I mean, I don't know what it's been like since the pandemic, but up until the pandemic, it was like a WrestleCon essentially and all of these things but this is really when it started to go from i mean it originally started not wrestlemania access but it was bre- uh, biceps and bagels or something where you paid a ticket to have bagels with the new generation athletes and then that became wrestlemania access which became wwf access which became its whole the whole life that we have there which i thought was really funny that hogan is there and he's like i'm here to destroy the wwe and i'm gonna fuck everybody up and there he is just being hulk hogan shim helen for 200 dollars a pop probably autographs and doing doing hogan stuff but i thought it was interesting it's like oh i forgot that's that was a thing at this time our next contest is a four corners elimination tag team match with your champions billy and chuck you look so good to me I love that song. I don't fucking care. It's in my guilty pleasure theme song list. When we eventually do our episode on wrestling theme songs, I don't care. That song has no business slapping us hard. It's like Zack Ryder's shitty radio song. Wished it was the Billy and Chuck theme. And then, and that's I, I rock that in my heart. But anyway, Billy and Chuck, uh, they go toe-to-toe with the Dudley Boys, the Hardy Boys, and the Acolyte Boys, the APA. In a four-corner matchup. Mac, I know you got real strong feelings of a repressed sexual nature about somebody in this match. And I'd uh, like to give you the floor. To I, I, it, it's amazing how a longer hairstyle and just bands around your biceps <laughs> can make me not hate you the way that I hate you when you're clean cut and getting out of a limousine. <laughs> um Ladies and gentlemen of the audience, um, I have a unbelievable hatred for John Bradshaw Layfield, but I fucking respect the shit out of Bradshaw. So I don't know what it is. I don't know why it is. But, you know, when he goes and has to go ahead and pitch his Mama Jawama bullshit on every fucking episode of Monday Night Raw, 
Um, <laughs> Jones will tell you, Jones and I went to WrestleMania 25 and I watched John Bradshaw Layfield lose a match in 15 seconds. <laughs> and I've never marked harder in my entire life. <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> I really, I actually really enjoyed this match. Um, I, I, I feel like I almost want to do an entire 10 minute sub episode of how much I hate JBL and just not take it from here. We'll get, but that. yeah, I mean, like, this is almost like, you know, snippet with Dave. 10 minutes of me just pissing <laughs> all over John Bradshaw Layfield episode Dave. episode 38A.2. We should have a segment just called Snippet. Just Dave. a snippet would get. Um, I actually really enjoyed this match. Uh, I thought it was, you know, and compared to the rest of the card uh, and the types of matches that we were having, um, the energy felt good. Um, I, I like the fact that there are some wrestlers under the age of 30 in this match. Yeah, uh, I found out also doing research that Stacy Keebler and I share the same birthday. Who knew? Oh yeah, uh, yeah, I know exactly. Kind of crazy, um, but I had this listed as my fourth favorite match of the night. Um, I I liked the you know obviously anytime I get the Dudleys and the Hardys doing anything, um, I, I'm, I'm I enjoy it. Watching uh, Jeff just Swanton after Swanton. Every time thinking he's not going to make it and then he makes it. Mm-hmm. I, I'm always impressed by that move and how he can still to this day do it and he can still walk. I think is the most impressive thing about Jeff Hardy. But uh, but yeah, I just I just thought it was a fun match. Um, I never. I mean, I, I love Billy Gunn. I mean, part of my favorite tag team of all time with the New Age Outlaws didn't really feel a whole lot about Billy and Chuck so much. I even kind of forgot Billy and Chuck were a thing until I saw this. Um, but yeah, I, I thought it was a, it was a, it was a fun match. I enjoyed it. Good stuff. Jafar thoughts on yeah. this four corner. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I really enjoy this match. Also, uh, there was a ton of talent in the ring for this match. Oh, yeah. At least seven super talented wrestlers and Chuck. Hey, <laughs> <You're right. laughs> uh, but no, it, it was solid. I think, uh, I think Farouk is, one of the most underrated mm-hmm. wrestlers. Uh, Ron Simmons can fucking work, man. For and sure. he's so good at his job. Uh, but I thought it was a fun match. You know, you when you have the Dudleys and the Hardy Boys, like, you know, you're going to get tables and swantons and everything that comes with that. Uh, so it was a fun match, uh, especially coming off what ended up being a downer of the match before that we went in with such high expectations like this sort of brought the levity back up. Um, so it was, it was well-placed for that reason alone, um, but it was a solid match. It was enjoyable. Good stuff. Doc, what are you feeling about it? Um, and, and it's the uh, same thing. Uh, I wrote in my notes, a uh, fun match. Uh, I, <laughs> I'm sitting there and I'm watching this. The match really didn't start until the APA left the ring. In Seven absolute, minutes in. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Because correct. everything before that was just this fucking mess. Uh, and I, I'm actually kind of convinced uh, that the APA weren't in the match, but they decided they were going to be in the match. They just came <laughs> the fuck out. They just came out. And then they, they had to pin them, get them out of the match so they could actually start the actual organized match that was on the card. Uh, because in reality, uh, if APA legit wanted to win that match, they'd have won that fucking match, and no, no one, one could have stopped them. Ron Simmons could have won that one. match against everyone else in that match by himself. 
No one would have stopped him. I'm, mm. I'm gonna I'm gonna drop this one. No, you might have heard this 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 quote before. Uh, it's because wrestlers are known for the ribbing, you know, getting people shit, fucking mm-hmm. with people in the locker room, you know, whatever. The hor- sometimes the ribs are really horrible. Some are just really lighthearted and fun. Some are really mean spirited. Um, no one in WCW, for example, back in the day, fucked with Ron Simmons. No one ribbed him. And Ric Flair once said, "That's because Ron Simmons is non-fuckwithable." <laughs> Legit, what he fucking I, said. I will. At Ron Simmons, Ron Simmons, you know, the first WWE African American Heavyweight Champion of all time, uh, one of few. Uh, he's just tough. He looks tough because he fucking is. He's a pure athlete. He's an athlete's athlete. Uh, so the match was fun. Um, like I said, it was messy, but it ended up, you know, kind of slowing down. It became a real tag team match after a while. Uh, and everybody got their shit in for the most part. And Devon took a nasty ass table bump oh, yeah. that looked really fucking ugly. Uh, but I mean, how many times has he been put through, put through a table? I'm sure he's used to it. Uh, so, yeah, uh, it was, it was what? Herb. What? Get the tables. Oh my God. Right. Well, listen. <laughs> Any anytime I get to see the Hardys, the Dudleys, uh, and APA do their thing, it's a it's a good fucking day. So, uh, solid solid fare for what we're about to come and watch next. Yeah, um, my biggest problem with this match is the fact that the way it was booked is a four quarter four corners elimination match. Um, you take you either take the AP out of APA out of it entirely and make it a triple threat match, and I think it works better. Uh, or you cut this shit down the middle. You give the Hardy Boys challenge and Billy and Chuck for the tag titles. And then you just let the APA and the Dudley Boys beat the ever-living shit out of each other for seven minutes. And you get two solid. You take Drowning Pool doing their shitty performance out of the mat <laughs> out of the night. You split this match's time down the middle and you give it and you just give them to both sides. And you have two completely different concepts there. That being said, I still really liked it. Um it was just my biggest problem was 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 how it went. Um, God damn it, were the Dudley Boys and the Hardy Boys over in 2002? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. holy shit. I, I um, hope that we have the opportunity to cover those those TLC matches just in its own episode because, I mean, they're, they're oh. as iconic as anything that those, I mean, those tag teams in my mind are always going to be linked together, those six wrestlers, because of those matches. I like that this match kind of stayed away from that. Yeah, you know, there was the one spot of of Devon going through, which did look gnarly. Totally um, gnarly. But for the most part, they 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 shied away from all of that, which I liked that they resisted that. They did. They could have done it again and again and again. And one day, I have no doubt in my mind that we're going to cover WrestleMania's X Seven the previous year, which is probably the if it's not the most lifted up wrestling show of all time in part because of the TLC match. It's, it, it's one of them. And so we'll get to all that, but dear God, uh, so the notes I have on this match are very simply put the Dudley boys and the Hardy boys are so incredibly over that it is ridiculous. Billy and Chuck. I don't remember them getting that kind of reaction. I always thought they weren't that over. And then they're in the ring with the Hardys and Dudleys. So they definitely did. And the fact that I was so surprised at the reaction, the heat they got for winning it, right? The chicken shit heels that people didn't want to see it. I'm like, oh, that's why that's why Billy and Chuck were a thing for so goddamn long because mm-hmm. they 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 
and people were still, this is attitude era. So you're still appealing to the baser instincts of the United States of America, even in 2002, which meant that if you portrayed people that were pretty gay, you weren't a baby face, you were a heel. Um, which is interesting when you think about the history that's going on here, right? Because taking out the Dudleys and uh, all the women that they put through the tables before getting to this point in the career and all the stupid bumps the Hardys take, that you have the, the gay thing with Billy and Chuck, which absolutely wouldn't fly these days, at least as heels, right, in that regard. Uh, and then the history is that I, we're all talking about Ron Simmons and how fucking incredible Ron Simmons is. But I will not mention Ron Simmons without mentioning the fact that he was the first African-American heavyweight champion in wrestling. Flat out. He was the first one. And not only did he was he so unfuckwithable that no one would rib him, but he beat Vader in height of Vader's monstrous run in WCW clean. That's how unfuckwithable Ron Simmons was. And if there was a shoot, there's nothing that Vader could have done about it. Like, that's how <laughs> badass Ron Simmons was. So the fact that we were privileged to see peak APA going on in this match, too. It's like, yeah, could you have split it and made it better? Yeah, made it a triple threat? Shit, fine. But we got this match is like a snapshot of what was. In the Attitude Era, the Hardy Boys, the Dudley Boys, and the APA, and what was to come. Because here's a nice little spoiler alert. Every single one of these teams will be split up within a month, except Billy and Chuck. So there's the reason why they went over. Um, I did like this match, though. I gave it three. You look so good to me out of five is what I gave one of this match. So also... I Super fun. I wish that's how King would talk about, you know, Stacy in the ring instead <laughs> of his hardcore sexual <laughs> harassment that's oh, going on in that fucking match, man. I find it's best just for the sake of not getting sidetracked on rants to just generally not try to mention Jerry Lawler's commentary on Attitude Era shows. Because <laughs> <laughs> it is it, it on a good day. It is, uh, is kind of quippy and kind of funny. When he's motivated, like the first match of the show, I had a note, I didn't even mention it, on Regal and Rob Van Dam, he was fucking motivated as just a heel commentator. He's talking about Regal's ability to, to take Rob Van Dam, who's always flying and, gr and grind them down, and how Regal's always got a plan, and he's always got a, a, a backup plan. And he works as great heel commentator. Then the first set of tits shows up on the camera, and he's like, ha, 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 ha. And it's like, Jesus Christ. And then it's just like, it's the, the, he makes like eight rape jokes. And I'm not even talking about the, the same ones we make with forceful entry. But like he makes like straight up crass. <laughs> and it's like, oh man, if she was only 16 years old, I, I would let her out of my car. I'd like the door, JR. <laughs> oh my God. That's what kind of shit he says. You sound like, you sound like the offspring of JR fucking Mickey Mouse. <laughs> <laughs> like the only thing that would have worked better is you just added a ha ha just like in the, uh, in the so, end of that fun side spar I'm not allowed I'm doing this now because my wife won't ever listen to this podcast but I'm not allowed to do my Mickey Mouse voice because I immediately sexualize it all the time <laughs> <Noah>. <laughs> and, uh, 
None of us are surprised by that. At all. I yeah. I do the exact same thing, <laughs> like fucking verbatim for Steph, and I get the same thing all the time. It's like you need to shut the fuck up with that. Don't do that. Don't ruin that for me. It's like ha 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 ha. I'd like to <laughs> stick that in two out of your three holes. <laughs> yeah. No. Not yeah. Not a lot anymore. Mm-mm. No. No. Mm. No. Not, especially not while company is over. <laughs> but moving yeah. along. We have a backstage segment where Scott Hall and Kevin Nash are upset that they lost because they haven't been paying attention to their contracts. And um, they want they want to beat the shit out of The Rock before the match. And Hogan's like, nah, brah. I got this, brah. It's like, do you, Hulk? Which immediately told us what the hell was going to happen. But uh, then we get more hardcore title stuff, right? Christian beats up a woman with a door. There you go on that. Slams the door on her. So Christian gets his heat back. He goes from losing to a motivational speaker in his hometown to abusing domestic abuse. Heels in the attitude era, dude. I tell you what. Mm -hmm. And then we get the video package. The video package. And we I didn't even mention him a run-up talking about the show. That the biggest name-wise match in the history of wrestling, happened a week or two before this show on a Monday Night Raw that saw the entire NWO, Hulk Hogan, Kevin Nash, and Scott Hall in a three-on-two handicap match against Austin and The Rock. I'll say that again for anyone who even remotely can't comprehend it. You have Stone Cold Steve Austin, Kevin Nash, Scott Hall, so the NWO, the original NWO, Hulk Hogan, and The Rock, all in one match in the main event of Monday Night Raw. So it's it, how how could it not be right? Like it's statistically read that on paper. It's like oh fuck, that's the biggest match of all time. That's just like a small part of the build up to this shit. We have The Rock put in an ambulance. And for some strange reason, Hulk Hogan decides to spend all his money on a tractor trailer, on a semi truck that he tries to forcibly entry into the side of the ambulance. Because that's the biggest problem with this match is you didn't need that with this match. My thoughts, and I didn't mention the promo that The Rock had earlier in the night. The reason why The Rock said absolutely nothing in that promo is because you didn't need to say anything. You're already at WrestleMania, and everyone in the world knows it's Hulk Hogan versus The Rock. All he had to say, just to keep the crowd entry, uh, engaged, was saying, hey, later, it's me and Hogan. What you going to do? It's all you had to say. And he just bought time for four minutes before then and made Coach get on his knees. And it was funny. It was funny, but you didn't need it. And you didn't need a tractor trailer running into the side of an ambulance. You didn't need Scott Hall's shitty cinder blocks. You didn't need any of this other stuff. Just let let the match go. That being said, the trip the video package is still fucking incredible. Yeah, he he used the tractor trailer because he couldn't find the keys to his WCW monster truck for Halloween. <laughs> well, he committed that's an accessory to murder. <laughs> an accessory to murder, and then a follow-up accessory to sexual assaults that happened all live on pay-per-view. Check out our archives. Some say we've never stopped recording it. But gentlemen, we've we've arrived. At the whole reason anyone ever talks about this show. And the whole reason anyone really talks about a lot of wrestling. Icon Chaz versus, versus Icon. Trish, Trish and Lita? 
Oh, not yet. Spoiler, uh, Dave. Jesus spoiler. Christ. Uh, Damn it. Dude. Um, look, attitude error like like uh, like King. I'm a little premature. Sorry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's icon versus icon. The Rock versus Hulk Hogan at WrestleMania 18. Jafar. Why don't, you, why don't you share a little bit about it? This this match is a big fucking deal. Yeah. Um, it, not only is it an icon from one generation competing against an icon from the current generation, but it's it's ultimately the passing of the torch. And very, very rarely do you get a match that even comes close to that sort of feel. Maybe you get it with Rock and Cena down the road but not to the level. I mean, everybody who's ever watched wrestling started as a fucking Hulkamaniac. And despite how most people feel about Hulk Hogan, this match fucking delivered and it hits you right in the feels. And the very first thing I have written down is the fucking crowd. Like they are just, they are amped to a level that you rarely hear or see in a crowd in any event. Um, you know, it was the first Hogan's first mania in nine years. Mm-hmm. Uh, the rock was at the peak of his stardom in, in the WWF. And it was just so good from the stare, from the stare down at the beginning, <laughs> and they're like staring at each other. And then they're looking at the crowd because of the reaction. And then they stare at each other and then they go back to the crowd and they, they could feel it. And you got, I mean, throughout the the 16 minutes of the match, you got everything you wanted. I mean, they were both in pretty great shape. It's two very contrasting styles, like Hogan's an old school wrestler. Rock is the new school guy. You got to see all the moves. You got to see the chest slaps. You got to see the leg drop. You got to see the rock bottom. You got to see Hulk Hulk up. And it just delivered on on every aspect this match is so fucking good and it it's one of those things like watching it back 20 years later like it still gives you the chills when you're watching it because it it's it's transcended you know what a wrestlemania match should be like when you think of wrestlemania you think of a match like this one and it was just it's fantastic i fucking love this match through and through 100 mac thoughts on this buddy i'm gonna do something a little bit different here you know as we've been kind of going through this pay-per-view and everything Noah, you've been such a gracious host here that you're given the floor to us to be able to give our opinions here and you go in the end and you know for this particular one i'll i'll go ahead and have my my piece to it but i want you to go next i want you to talk about this match because i don't i don't want to hear you know, the fourth opinion of maybe something that we all kind of agree upon. I want to hear you give it to us, you know, raw and, you know, ready for it. And let's, let's, let's go. I want to turn it over to, you Noah. what do you, what do you, what do you think about this match? Tell me about your thoughts. Well, thanks for lifting me up here a little bit. I appreciate it. Um, I mean, really, when you think about it, this match is everything that wrestling is supposed to be. It is everything that wrestling is supposed to be. It is, 
the idea of, of two guys and that have personalities, regardless of what we feel personally about anybody here in 2022. In 2002, when this match is happening, there are no two more iconic names in the entire wrestling world at that moment than the immortal Hulk Hogan, the person that the entire reason this WrestleMania show exists, and The Rock, who is for all intents and purposes the biggest name to ever come out of wrestling ever. I mean, the man is worth hundreds of millions of dollars today. And, and it, all of it kind of boils down to this one moment in time. And not only do both guys come with everything they have ever known and ever learned and used it in this match, but it has the single most electric crowd I've ever seen in a professional wrestling match to the point where the crowd starts hotter than I, almost any crowd I've ever seen. And then later in the match, when Hogan hulks up, first of all, the crowd turns on the rock, almost immediately turns on the yeah. rock. But when Hogan, I got goosebumps right now as I'm saying this to you. When Hogan hulks up in that match, I felt like a child. I felt like both a child watching Hogan for the first time and like a, like the young man I was when this match happened. And it was it was incredible. It is a, it is a, a match and a moment that is it, it is it itself is more immortal. If you talk about everything that wrestling, much less WrestleMania, is ever supposed to be, the stage of the immortals, the thing that you do that will live forever, this match will. For all the right reasons, Andre and Hogan will live forever because of how big the match was in a turning point in time. I think Austin and The Rock will live forever because it was the embodiment of the Attitude Era. But if you had to take one match and tell everyone what is the best that wrestling can be in, in, in a certain way, you would be hard pressed to find something that is more intoxicating of a match to watch than The Rock versus Steve uh, versus Hulk Hogan. I'm sorry, it's uh, yeah, that's basically it. In every single thing they do, the people react in a way that more than they absolutely should. Everybody's motivated. The exa- everything that was wrong with Hall and Austin and Nash is right with this match. They, they want to work. They want to go. They do so very fucking little in the match. And they get <sighs> everything out of this match. I mean, it's there's Hogan hits an abdominal stretch I have in my notes. He locks in an abdominal stretch, which is a chance for everyone to have a chat, take a breath, and let, bring them down so you can bring them back up. The crowd is the only people that didn't get that fucking memo because they, they were excited. For, it's the most excited anyone in history has ever been for the abdominal goddamn stretch to the point where I it's little things that I have notes that I couldn't even believe. Like the fact that Hogan, they somehow switch the psychology of babyface heel in this match, which you shouldn't really do unless you're pros. And The Rock cuts Hogan off with a clothesline like a heel. And the crowd goes, fuck yes. And they just shit all over The Rock which is exactly what that spot was designed for because they called it on the fly and it was, it was incredible yet. So, I mean, again, I, I could talk about this match for three hours of a podcast, just the way it was designed, the way it was light up that they didn't need to do everything they could because, Oh, the minute you announced Hulk Hogan versus the rock, that's all you needed. And that's what true. That's what wrestling's never. It, I would love for it to have that again. I would love that, but I don't know that it can't. That all you need to do is say two names are going to fight at, at a show. WrestleMania, Hogan, Rock. That's all you need. You don't need everything else is just superlative. And 
The only I have one complaint about the match, but it's still not enough to take away from the match, is the sharpshooter spot. I still think The Rock does the shittiest sharpshooter in the history of, of all time, and it's done just to mock Bret Hart and all of us that love Bret Hart. I don't think he's ever actually tried to do it right, and I don't I I don't know why. Other than Hogan was still a heel. I don't know why you have Hogan tap out to the shittiest sharpshooter in the history of mankind, especially what you know what, what happens. Um, that, if that's my complaint, a spot where the ref is down at Hogan is beach and taps to the shittiest sharpshooter, then I, I, I really have no complaints. But I will go ahead and save my rating to the match. Uh, and I don't want to influence what anyone else says. Um, but I have it as it's five. I didn't even give it a fake thing. It's five stars out of five. It is the, in a lot of ways, it is the example of WrestleMania. It is, it is, it is what it is. And I could not possibly give it a higher rating. I'm not going to melt it and give it seven stars out of five because I'm a <laughs> fucking mark. But no, that is, uh, it is, that's how I feel about it. Yeah. No, that was really well said. And the, it's two masters of their craft, man, doing and giving the people what they want. And there's such a mutual respect and it, and it's not just the handshake at the end. Like you can feel it throughout the entirety of the match is the level of respect that these two guys have for each other and what they mean for the sport um, as a whole. It's, it's, it's a hell of a thing. And in the post-match, the post-match takes everything that they just took you on and it makes it worth it as well too, because you get, it's like, it's hard for me as a grown man now to willingly cheer for Hulk Hogan knowing what I know, right? And know it, but uh, I I allow myself the moments of remembering how I felt and knowing that this is what this is designed to trigger and being able to admit that it absolutely, for every single person that was a Hulkamaniac, whenever you see the end of that match in that post-match, it's, it's perfect. It's what it is. So I digress. Mac, you want to go on? You know... I, you couldn't, you couldn't, if you wrote this in a movie and you put it out as the finale of a movie, nobody would believe it. Nobody believed that this was true. Um, dare I say it is the peak of professional wrestling is, is this match. Uh, you could not have engineered it better. You couldn't have built it better. You couldn't have done this with anybody else. It would not have worked. I don't, I don't know that it could happen at any other time. I don't know that it could happen in any other place. Um, and you, you said something I thought was really interesting, Noah, is that there's really not a lot of a match that goes on here. Mm-mm. But that's the smartest thing that they did. You know, there, there's a there's a thing that I, I always kind of take from when I was in school and learning about how to like write a screenplay. And my, my teacher always said, it's like, if you're going to do a big budget blockbuster movie with big special effects and everything, you go little on story. Because the spectacle carries it. Mm-hmm. If you're going to tell a really deep, involved, gut wrenching type story you go light on the spectacle because you don't need to detract the audience from what you're really trying to do. And in this match, 
you don't need 55 million moves, people off, you know, stuff off the top rope, um, you know, spot heavy. You, you just don't need it because the crowd told the story and they were smart enough to listen. Um, I couldn't, I, I always, I still can't believe how the crowd turned on rock and how, and how, and how just, they, they just went to Hogan. Um, and Hogan could have even, I think in this match, Hogan left some stuff on the table with the crowd. Oh, yeah. I think, I think, you know, the crowd was playing into him so much. And, um, you know, I, again, we, we preface on our podcast here that we, we are separating the man from the match and the character um, the character of Hulk, of Hulk Hogan, not the character of the man, right? We're not talking that he has good character. Um, but it, you, you, just, you just can't, you, you can't script it any better. The crowd was so hot for it. I like that they recognized it. I like that they allowed the crowd to dictate how they were going to tell the match. I like that they, you know, found the spots in the match to tell the story that played in with the crowd. Um, again, you know, we always talk about how, Oh, you remember in the attitude area when the glass broke and the crowd went fucking wild I was, yeah. or, you know, when you smell what the rock is cooking and the crowd goes wild, Mick Foley wins the title crowd goes wild. You know, these moments, that was the pinnacle of it. Um, I had one funny thing I wanted to mention about this. Um, Hulk Hogan loses his do rag. <laughs> it happened. It, 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 did. it did. It did. And repeatedly, Hulk goes to brush his hair back. <laughs> his scalp. That isn't there. <laughs> And I thought to myself, you hear about people that, you know, they lose an appendage <laughs> in a terrible accident. And you hear about that. <laughs> and I wonder, as Hogan's head was exposed to 68,000 Canadians, was it just a phantom situation where it felt the flow? But just, had to, but just had to make sure that it was it was well kept oh. as we kind of went through. Um, and you talk it, yeah, just you know, did did he just was was it still there to him? Um, the end of the match too. They're walking to the they're walking back to the locker room. Hogan still fucking selling, selling those ribs, man, selling those ribs, selling the elbow. You know, I mean. I, I I can't say enough about this. I, I don't even know that I can put into words how I felt about watching this all over again. But it really it really was the the crowd that told this match. That was really the crowd that told this story. And you had two masters of their craft that were smart enough to listen and and play to that. Um, that was the soundtrack of this match. And um, you know, never before. Never since I still think guys, I'll still say this and you can say it's blasphemy if you want. I still put Hogan slamming Andre as the greatest WrestleMania moment ever. Like when I think WrestleMania, 
that is the first thing I think about always has been, I think always will be. Maybe it's just because that's what came first. Hmm. So you think about it first. Um, but God damn, is this just right there? If maybe just a slight hair underneath it that Hogan lost from his head years before, but that's, <laughs> that's what I feel uh, about, about that. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Good, good thoughts, everybody. Jones doc. Now, uh, the, before you go, the people who, who can't see you right now, they're only listening in their car or in their bathtub with rose petals everywhere. Or in a case of our midnight listener, always deucing and crying in a bathroom. They can't see your face, but man, you've been studious this entire time. I've been dying to know. Tell us what you think about this. Uh, well, I, right off the bat, um, you know, you guys, all of you said uh, a lot of really uh, fantastic things, a lot of great points. Uh, and I echo pretty much everything, including the slicking back of the scalp skin. Um, however, uh, I wrote almost, I wrote no notes for this match. Uh, and I thought I would, I was really fired up too. And as I'm watching it, I was immediately taken back. Uh, I said earlier in this episode that I forgot how many times I watched this show. Uh, I think, and, and I know it's, I've, I've watched more, other WrestleManias more times, but, um, this is, this one's up there. Um, the only thing I really wrote was uh, magic. Uh, I mean, this, as the listeners, this our dear audience listens to this episode, uh, it will just be just a little, a hair over a 20-year anniversary of this moment in time, because it was, in fact, a moment in time. Mm-hmm. Um, like, people often say that, you know, we'll never get two top stars like Austin and Rock at the same time at the same moment, neck and neck ever again in wrestling, uh, as long as we live, and at least in our lifetimes. And I do believe that, uh, people often say you're never going to get such a transformative moment for professional wrestling, like rock and wrestling and Hulkamania. And I do believe that, um, I'm firm believer watching this match back again after it's been years since I've watched it, like really sat and watched it that, uh, this match, made WrestleMania more than just a wrestling show. WrestleMania had history, had nostalgia. Andre being slammed, Steamboat and Savage, Iron Man matches, TLC matches, submission matches, uh, a a, a plethora of awesome matches that stand the test of time by talented professional athletes. But there's a point in which WrestleMania stopped being about the matches and started being about WrestleMania, the idea. And I truly believe that this match is what made it that way. Mm. You can't go back. You can't recreate this. You can't take two guys who puts, you can't, Hulk Hogan, and I listen, I have my personal opinions on Hulk Hogan, but uh, dude is the most important person in wrestling history. He's the most important. People who don't know what wrestling is know they know Hulk Hogan. They know the red and yellow. Um, And I think that, like you said, Rock is the most important, one of the most successful guys in wrestling history outside of wrestling. Um, There are no real succinct 
words that I can come up with that can really express how important this match was. But what I can say is just as Undertaker getting becoming 10 and 0 in WrestleMania, Rock and Austin having that Rock and Austin, Rock and uh, Hogan having that match transformed WrestleMania to something else entirely. It made it a spectacle that we'll never get again. Uh, and that's kind of sad, actually. It, it, it spoiled us in a way. You know, we're never, we're never going to have the flash bulbs like that again. That moment where two pros can on the fly just change the way the match is supposed to be designed and not only change it on the fly, but embrace it, make it work, and the match is better for it. The moment Rock picks up that chair, he's full heel at that point. Like, a face rock ain't doing that. Uh, And the crowd just loves it. But the best part about it, my favorite part of this whole match, my favorite part is just the wrestling fan, right? They they are the other person. They're the the third opponent in this match. They're the third party in this match, right? Yeah. Because they're booing rock, man. There's just that towards the end, there's that Rocky sucks chance. Really start popping up the rock sells it. He's, I, I love it, man. But the moment... He kips up and goes for the people's elbow. They pop like a motherfucker. Yes, they do. Because, Absolutely. Oh shit, it's time. And yeah, Hogan hulking up was a bigger pop, but that's not the point. They went from booing him, and within six seconds, it's time to fucking come up because the most electrified move in sports entertainment is about to happen. Uh, and uh, the match was excellent. So it's certainly not my favorite WrestleMania match of all time, but it is in the conversation for the most important wrestling match in wrestling history. I think you've nailed it right on the head. Um, It's interesting. This, it might be the peak, the peak of all things, right? Mm -hmm. The, the two eras that defined wrestling, the wrestling has never achieved the heights of since Hulkamania and the attitude era. And on the last show of the attitude era, in the last pay-per-view of the company being known as the World Wrestling Federation, it peaks. Undeniably, indisputably, it peaks. And when you talk about we'll never have that again, it's a shame, right? Because the thing about a peak is that you're downhill from there. And, and that's not to take it away from anyone who's had great moments at WrestleMania since then. You can pick out a bunch of them. Cena, Rock, Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania 30, Kofi Mania. All those are incredible moments, and you should not take away from them. But I would be absolutely, I don't think you could ever top this as far as just iconic moments. And that's a term that here in 2022, we fucking throw around. Oh, man, that that's an iconic gas station, right? Like, oh, man, that's an iconic goblerito. Like, we, we fucking waste that word. But uh, words like iconic, legendary, once in a lifetime. They stand to define things just like this. And I'm sorry to interrupt, but I just want to say that if you are listening to us babble about this show and you've never watched Hulk Hogan versus The Rock at WrestleMania 18, then more than almost probably any match I'll ever say this for, fucking go watch it. Live it. You will not start it from that fucking video package with the fucking tractor trailer for some reason and you go you'll get taken away that's that's what it is it it, it is everything it is it is everything that it's supposed to be and more it is ma- perfect way to say it jones it was magic pure 
manager. Mac? You know, there, there's a, you know, the WWE has really focused and they focus to this day on people having the WrestleMania moment. It's important that people have a WrestleMania moment, almost to the point that I feel like they try to spoon feed WrestleMania moments to people and say, oh, that's their WrestleMania moment. No, you don't get to tell us what mm-hmm. the WrestleMania moment is. WrestleMania tells you what the WrestleMania moment is. And that match, that crowd, those ex- that, that, that whole thing was transcendent. It didn't just transcend, it, transpend, it transcended sports. It transcends entertainment. You know, those two guys are the two biggest names in, in all of sports entertainment in terms of also the entertainment aspect, their ability to not just be wrestlers mm-hmm. or be athletes, of being entertainers, of being uh, movie stars, of, you know, like when I, I love when Hogan says, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, do this to him like I did to Rocky and Rocky three. He can say that because he was in fucking Rocky three. <laughs> like it's not just wrestling. It's fucking Thunderlips, you know, who picked up and was slamming Rocky Balboa, who is so fucking iconic. The city of Philadelphia treats him like he's a real fucking athlete. (laughs) The greatest athlete in the history of Philadelphia is nobody real. (laughs) There's statues of him. I've I've got pictures with it. It's unreal, right? Um, and, and And I'll say this as somebody who is, you know, you know, Jones, we've been to WrestleMania, right? We felt Mm -hmm. that electricity. I can't even imagine what that felt like to be in that crowd for that 16 minutes and 30 and 23 seconds of what that had to feel like, because you can't talk about a Super Bowl. You can't talk about a World Series. You can't talk about an NBA championship, an Olympia, maybe an Olympic moment, potentially. But like, nothing touches that. The, the the energy, the sustainability, just nothing touches that. I, I can't imagine, Jeff. We've been to Stanley Cup games, man. You know, we've we've seen what the pinnacle of 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 sports can feel like. I think that pales in comparison to what this is. You just irradiate. Irra- yes. I mean, just to add into that, too, just to give the, the listener context, you guys just weren't at any WrestleMania. You didn't go to WrestleMania 23 or 29 or one of those random, okay, we'll just get another triple threat match as a finish. Uh, Doc and Mac were at WrestleMania 25, and they saw, and we're talking about greatest WrestleMania matches of all time. That was Michaels versus Undertaker at WrestleMania, well, the, the, the yeah. one that matters, right? Yeah, so, that was a hell of a thing to see live. Yeah, right. Yes, and was. the idea that you're saying that and you saw you were in the crowd for that fucking match, right? Should tell you all there is. Now, I want to I want to shift here because part of me feels like we should just cut this episode here, much like WWF should have probably cut the pay-per-view feed right then and there. But we're yeah. not going to because it just is iconic in a way. Because we get Hulk Hogan in the rock and Hogan doing the pose down and all of this unbelievable feel-good moments. And we cut directly to the big show eating a meatball hoagie at WWF Times Square. (laughs) The other half of Halloween Havoc's Monster Truck Rape Fest main event. 
is enjoying cold cuts. And uh, at this time, I'm sure Zima was still a thing. Let's say cold cuts and a Zima and a fucking T-shirt in Times Square. Is there Talk enough? Is there enough Zima to get the big show drunk? I'm sure that's probably what happened to all of it. It's a good question. <laughs> he just had the last of it there in 2002. And when you think about it comparatively, cutting from this match, you think I would hate to follow anything <laughs> about this match. You cut to the big show at WWF New York. And then Jazz, Trish Stratus, and Lita for the women's title doesn't feel so bad at that point. So thank you for that, WWF. But yeah, triple threat women's match, which is like, is this the the best, the biggest death spot in the history of wrestling is following Hogan and The Rock? Like Jesus Christ himself could have come out to music and started talking. And I don't think he would have got as big a reaction because he followed this match that that being said you still have three of the greatest women's wrestlers of all time or uh period are in this match and they they go for it you can't say that they go for it but this is that classic triple threat match problem where you have two baby faces are going on in this match so it's already not a great recipe you know uh from from the start but i digress guys it's kind of a hard thing to talk about. We, we use words in the previous match, like iconic, transcendence, space-time, multiple orgasms stacked on top of each other. And now I'm going to ask you, hey, Mac, what did you think about this triple threat match? Um, Jazz was pretty good in this match. <laughs> and Trish Stratus was wearing Canadian colors in Canada as a Canadian. So that happened. And Lita did hardy things off the top rope. Yeah. I, I feel I feel so bad for this match. Um, you know, this is this was still kind of early in Trish's development. Yeah. And, you know, I, I feel like at maybe a, another stage, you know, if we had a, a little bit further along Trish, I think this match gets a little bit better. Again, I, I, I have to, I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention how distracted I was at just JR's, um, you know, Amber alerts going on throughout the course of the match as, oh, Trish is gone. I might have to go give her CPR for about 25 minutes. <laughs> just, <laughs> my Jesus Christ, guys. Um, you know, I, I never really paid a lot of attention to jazz as, as a wrestler. And I felt that she really did her best to control the match. I think she was as legitimate, a, a wrestler that this match had, I think you could still see that, you know, Trish and Lita were still had a little ways to go to be at that level. And of course they, they get there. Um, but yeah, I, I, I thought for, I was happy that it was called the women's championship. Like yeah. I kind of felt in a weird way, like that was a win that it wasn't a Divas championship. It was just it's the women's championship at this point. It's like, all right, we still have some level of, you know, gender equality that's kind of going on there. But, you know, I, it just, it, it, it is a, it is that what you, when you're at a restaurant and they give you like Sherbert between courses to clench the palate or something like that, like that's really what this match had to do. And it was really just, all right, we got to give the crowd, you know, a couple minutes to just chill before we're going to go ahead and give them the, what's supposed to be the main event, yeah. um, <laughs> which I laugh. 
But I mean, how could it not be the main events? I mean, you, no, it's, right. it's it's the it's the unified championship. And, you know, y- you should close on Hogan Rock. But how do you do that to the champion and the challenger and everything? But uh, for, for what it what it had to do, I think it served its purpose. Yeah, there it is. Jafar, triple threat. Yeah, it was a solid filler match. Um, you know, everyone was on such a high coming off the previous match that it was like, okay, let's go take a pee break and grab another beer for the six minutes that this triple threat match is going that, on. That was the note that I had. This would have been the match where <laughs> Noah had to go to the bathroom. <laughs> nobody, um, nobody lives. Nobody leaves women matches faster in my house during a pay-per-view than Noah. I mean, I say that in a, 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 as an ally, but yeah, you know, I, got no, I and I don't mean that. In a, bladder. I don't mean that in a bad way. I just mean that Noah's bladder is the size of a pea, mm-hmm. like a chickpea. And, you know, if he's going to sit there through 18 minutes of Rock versus Hogan, it's painful oh, for yeah. him. He's, he's got to go for yeah. sure. Uh, but, yeah, I think I think Jazz uh, was an underrated performer for her time. And it, it, this match was just sort of odd. Like, she was only participating in half the match. She spent most of her time either laid out on the mat or outside of the ring. So it was a lot of back and forth with Trish and Lita. Uh, the one note I had was there was a bump that Trish took into the corner where she like flipped upside down. Yeah. I I don't know how she didn't get injured on that. It looked painful for sure. Um, But I mean, all in all, it was, it was a solid match. It's what you would expect for a mid card women's triple threat match. Good call. Doc is in the middle of nodding and I'm going to look at him. I know he's having a conversation. And I'm going to... I'll just say goodbye to my wife. She's heading out to to work. We love you, Mrs. Jones. You're the best, Mrs. Jones. They all say hello. This is live on the internet forever. Noah said I I love you. Noah said I love you. you She loves you, too. The internet heard that, too. The internet (laughs) did hear that. (laughs) I'm not Uh, cutting this. I don't give a shit. No, this this has to stay in. She she officially made the show. You're officially part of the show now. <laughs> the first of the wives to make it. All right. That's right. Uh, so what I think, um, and, and, and it's, I'm, I'm going to work this super, super succinct because for expediency of time, because we are running very long. Um, yeah, Jazz carried the match uh, big time. And hats off, kudos to her for doing so because uh <laughs> Trish and Lita looked super awkward and super like they just didn't know what they were doing, where they were going. Uh, there were a lot of weird, not botches, just awkward spots that just it felt like Lita and Trish didn't know what to do with each other for whatever reason. But I guess that's a lack of experience on especially Trish's end because Lita's much more experienced at this point than Trish is. But um, the only person in that match who kept it on the rails was Jazz. Because uh, she's a fucking pro and she is a veteran at that point. Uh, and she's one of the many uh, women's wrestlers during that period that do not get their due or their play because they were the ones who were training. They were the ones who were creating structure. They were the ones helping lay out the match and keep it on the rails. And it's unfortunate that people talk about how great Trish was. Uh, but would Trish had been as good as she was had she not had ex- wrestling experiences with people like Jazz or Molly Holly? Mm-hmm. 
Maybe, maybe not. Uh, so match is all right. It was what it was. I'll answer your rhetorical question with an actual answer, therefore defeating the rhetorical question. Uh, Trish Stratus is one of the probably not top five. You can make an argument for the greatest development in the history of women's wrestlers and wrestlers in general. But no, yeah. without Jazz, Molly, Holly, Ivory, and Victoria, you, you, you're only as good as your dance partner. And they had, and they, but they were wise to know uh, to put her with seasoned people because she was the, she was the babyface in that division for four or five years after this until she, yeah, until she retired. She turned heel for a little bit, but she's still the 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 star. Uh, Just to kind of echo what everyone's thought is, uh, Jazz is criminally underrated and incredible in this match. And the whole time I'm watching, whenever Jazz and she did, she did let the babyfaces go at it for a, a while, a lot in this match. But when she was going, all I could think of is, could you imagine Jazz in there now? Jazz in this match, in this, in the where women's wrestling has evolved to where women have main evented WrestleMania multiple times and stolen the show multiple times. That a Jazz in there with a Charlotte Flair or a Bailey or a Sasha Banks or a Becky Lynch or a Liv Morgan or a Rhea Ripley, right? Like that would be, it'd be incredible. It'd be super incredible. Right. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll take you one step further there, Jones. Give her give her the match against Natalia. I mean, watch those two go for sure. Right. You know, Natalia serves that role now. I mean, anytime somebody's coming up, they always put her with Natalia. So they know the right fucking way to do things. Mm-hmm. And I think Natalia for every, she she won't go underrated because everybody knows what she's done for the women's division because she really she really was there at the point that she could carry everybody with them. But I still feel like Natalia is criminally underrated and under under awarded for the work that she does. Yeah, put her with Jazz and watch that fucking match go. One hundred percent. Take my money. Natalia is the Sean Waltman, the one, two, three kid of today's modern women's wrestling. Put them with her. Let them see what they could do. If they're great, then they're a star. If not, then to main event or superstars somewhere else, ye shall go. But I think the cool thing to take away is. So Lita, and I I will say this with all due respect, and also say that when you're talking about the top 10 greatest women performers in the history of wrestling, you have to put Lita on that list because Lita drew money. And Lita in, uh, in the crowd, even she just came back in 2022 and she drew, she got crowd reaction, right? She's so big that the Saudis will let her, let her wrestle when they don't even like women, right? So that is how big Lita is. Um, but I, Trish was at the beginning of her journey, Lita was well into it and would never really improve much more than she is in this match. She she would quickly realize that the way to everyone's heart was to turn heel and put her tits out, which was great because that's her best run with Edge in the rated R thing after the Hardy Boys, which was obviously her best run. I take back what I said. Her not wrestling and being the heel was incredible because all she had to do was do what she did. And instead of being having to use psychology, she just cut people off. It was great, but I think you saw how bad all three of them wanted it. They're in WrestleMania. They've just followed the greatest match that they'd probably ever seen at that point in history, and they're in front of seventy thousand people. Um, there, there is no going through the motions here. But God damn it, Trish was like Tr- Trish Stratus had. I think why we rate her so high is she had no need. To, to go as hard into being a wrestler as she did. She really didn't. She could have just looked good for the rest of her career, 
stood outside while some six foot seven dude hit a big boot or a power bomb and would just serve this as a distraction or as a part of the angle with the McMahons or something forever is fine. But she decided to be incredible. And this was one of the first building blocks. And this was the fact that this match got the time that it did. This match would get more time than women's wrestling would for 20, almost 15 years after it, uh, which is something to be said. Right. This is where we after this, we're getting into the era four minute women's matches on pay-per-views with the exception of the rare Trish and Lita main eventing a couple of pay-per-views in Ross. It, it wouldn't it wouldn't it would still take a long time to develop. But the main notes I came away from this thing is jazz was born 20 years too soon. Trish uh, had a long way to go, but she would absolutely get there by the end. And Lita was fucking over like Rover. In 2002, uh, regardless of my opinion of whether she could uh, work any better after this or not, she didn't need to because she's fucking Lita. Uh, even though I don't know, like, I still think Lita is the whole re- I, Every time someone's like cargo pants, I immediately think of Lita for the rest, <laughs> of, for the rest of my life. Yeah. It's just Lita and cargo pants. She kept she kept uh, she kept Dickies in, in business for a very long time. And so be respected. But I, I liked it. Right. Uh, but I also my main note and my rating system is based on that scary fucking bump that Trish Stratus took with that bulldog that the only reason that she is not broken in half lay, uh, and being wheeled around to this day is because she's like 93 pounds. So just just the physics of it. She didn't hit that hard. And one of us yeah. does half of that bump and we're never moving again. But she's she was at So I but I gave this match two and a half fucked up. Oh, my God, Trish, what the hell are you thinking? <laughs> bumps out of five <laughs> you know they're they're uh, the the Steelers running back Najee Harris does a ton of yoga because he's like as a running back I'm going to be tackled I'm going to be in weird positions I want my body to be able to naturally react when it happens so I don't get hurt yeah. you know Trish was that way a lot too so I think that maybe kind of leads something towards because of just how sure. physically fit she was and how well she took care of herself that was the reason that she was able to walk out of that match for sure. She's still, she, that's what she does for a living yeah. now is yoga, uh, which I've never wanted to be a, a reincarnated as a yoga mat more in my entire life than when I, I thought you were going to go with yoga pants. I mean, yeah, but people fart in yoga pants. So yeah. if, I'm gonna, if you're still going to be rubbing that, that whole like swoop downward dog on me and I, I'd rather be the mat, a nice mat, not like a five below mat. I'm talking about a, this is the last time you saw nice somebody do a downward dog. Just go. <laughs> <laughs> I will uh, refrain from answering that question on the grounds that it may incriminate. <laughs> anyway, Christian uh, leaves the building with a hardcore title, but wait, fucking Maven is here to get his heat back, and Christian cries again. Just letting you know that if Christian ever could have gotten his heat back in Toronto, this is lets you know everything that Vince McMahon ever feels about Christian as a performer. That he, they have him cry and get bitched out in front of 70,000 people. Then he wins by hitting a woman with a door. And then before he's able to leave the building, he cries some more. Christian's career in the WWF in a nutshell. And Maven takes his title and his taxi. Yep. 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 He does. And that's, that's called a Canadian <laughs> carjacking there, Jeff. There it is. And if, and if anyone who knows how hard it is to, to get a, an Uber or a taxi outside of a sporting event, much less the WrestleMania, uh, you know that, that that's that's worse than taking his title. 
But speaking of taking your title, guys, we've arrived at the main event of WrestleMania 18. Uh, it's been like nine years that, since we started this review. Um, <laughs> yes. It is fresh <laughs> off of a quad return. Double jacket jacked up. Triple H. Sweaty, spitting water, and coming for House of Fury. Challenging for the World Wrestling Federation Undisputed Championship against the champion, Chris Jericho. Accompanied by Stephanie McMahon Helmsley. I still think that the phrase Stephanie McMahon Helmsley is like the second most attitude era sounding thing ever. Like you don't think about mm-hmm. it anymore. But when you say it, because that's what you called her and it rolled off the tongue back then, it was like, oh, that's a snapshot in time to where Triple H drugged her and definitely didn't abuse her and then illegally married her without consent. And then they became a powerful heel stable because wrestling logic. That was just Monday nights, man, in the late 90s. What are you, what are you going to do? But Because um, <laughs> those were the times. Those were the days. <laughs> those were the days. Um, listen, uh, we all know that this match shouldn't have been the main event. It shouldn't have gone on last. Everyone in the world knows that. This match should have ended the way uh, the show should end the way the Hogan match ended. But you know who also feels that way? Fucking Chris Jericho who has publicly stated that he lobbied knowing that the match was going to be Hogan and rock, that he should not have gone on last. He begged everybody that would listen to not make him follow Hulk Hogan versus the rock because Chris Jericho, say what you want to say about Chris Jericho and whatever problems that he may have. Um, I won't say them because I love Chris Jericho, but you can, you can say them if you want to Jeff. I mean, I will, (laughs) but uh, he's smart enough to know when he's not going to get over who, we all know who, the reason why this match is the main event, right? I mean, we all know who lobbied for this match oh my God. to go on last. And here's what's this. fucking hilarious. Here's what's the most hilarious part of it. This isn't the last time it would happen to him. <laughs> he, he would lobby because he's got to wrestle for the championship as the vengeful babyface oh at WrestleMania and happens to follow not one, but two iconic WrestleMania matches. And the crowd couldn't give a shit about who does anything in a main event. That's all I'm going to say. But before we're there, Mac, why don't you, when you go on, why don't you also tell us what you think about this world championship match? This is, this is the most. Hold on. I'm going to, there's, there's a dog. Actually, that is not a dog barking. That is is actually the gentle sound of someone breaking wind. I won't say who, but. There. This this to me was the most Triple H Triple H that Triple H has ever Triple H'd <laughs> in this fucking match. Everything about this was like Triple H is sitting at the table and said, this is going to be a great thing that we do. I'm going to get kicked in my surgically repaired quad over and over and over again. And I'm not going to limp because I'm Triple H, but it's going to make it look like it hurts because it's wrapped. And I'm going to keep grabbing my hamstring like it's my quad, but I'm not smart enough to realize that my quad is at the front and that my hamstring is in the back, but I'm going to keep grabbing the wrong thing because that's how I sell. But right when everybody thinks all hope is gone, I'm going to rally and I'm going to win this match because I'm Triple H. And everybody's like, well, I don't know. Yeah, but no, that's how it's got to happen because I'm the I'm the face and the underdog. And that's like, I really felt like I watched the booking completely as it was booked watching this match. Cause I feel like I also over the last 20 years have watched this same fucking thing over and over and over again. Uh, With that being said, 
I've never seen Triple H this moist as he was in this match. He was like, I mean, listening. Oh my God. He was like it's a Duncan like, Hines cake. They, That's they, how moist he was. They went too far, guys. <laughs> 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 he, he was. He, <laughs> he just went too far. He was so moist that when he started to wrestle Jericho, his spray tan was washing off on Jericho. Mm-hmm. He was that moist, and like for somehow, like halfway through the match, it's like the camera's got. He was still moist. It, it still, <laughs> it was still coming out of him. I don't know how this that was the most magical thing about this match was how did it happen? Um, I f- <laughs> Hold on. I just had this vision of him at the monitor getting ready for this match, watching Hogan and Rock have this iconic moment and anger. He's just spritzing himself down over and over <laughs> again for all 18 minutes out of anger. And then some then somebody else just like, I'll help you out. And he's just he's just dripping at a seething rage. Just like drowning pool played him in and it was kind of just not awesome. No, like it, it just, it, 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 yeah. But like, I really feel like he became the drowning pool as he was <laughs> in the ring because he was so fucking wet. <laughs> um, <sighs> Stephanie was all over this match and I felt like that just took away from it. I think, and, and, and again, in a, in a classic, you know, uh, Stephanie Triple H. Here's how we're going to book this that I've seen again multiple times over the last 20 years. Um, she just played a bigger role than I felt like she needed to in the match. <laughs> Jones, you have your hand up. So up until about two seconds ago, I swear to God, I thought you were talking about your girlfriend. <laughs> and, and I'm thinking to myself, oh, she really liked this match. It was all over. Like she really dug it. And then I'm like, oh, wait. No, <laughs> no, Stephanie. no. Okay. No, it's the uh, other, the right. other one. Just changed where you were going, but no, just to, just to add on to you, Dave, as you keep going. Uh, yeah, the only thing is that like this match is the most Triple H a match could ever possibly be, and then it's immediately countered by being the most Stephanie McMahon a match could yeah. ever possibly be. Comp- the only difference is is that it happened in the Attitude Era where uh, a dude was still striking ladies. Right. So she's still got her comeuppance as opposed to now where she just comes out and like stabs someone in the dick and they literally can't do anything about it. But she's the top heel. I, so. I, I feel like there's at least four times where Triple H just kind of grabbed her like this and just like lifted her at some point into the ring. <laughs> yeah, um, there, there is and, definitely uh, some domestic abuse. Yes. Going on there. And yep. and who who is the official in the match? It was Hebner. Yeah. Um, fucking just all he did was yell at Stephanie in the entire match. It's like, no, you, you, I swear to God, if you do this 14 or 15 more times, you're out of this match. <laughs> you know, I mean, he really had a handle on it. Um, and, and the entire, <laughs> in the entire time, I'm just thinking to myself, fucking Raj Jericho, you know, the, the pride of Winnipeg, Manitoba, the undisputed champion, you know, and one of the most, just he fucking won both belts when nobody ever thought it was going to happen. Mm-hmm. And this is, this is the main event in fucking Canada. And, and he does his very best to try to do what he can with this match. And there are some decent spots in the match. Uh, you, you knew somebody was going to put their ass through one of those announce tables and we finally got it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I felt like as, as with everything, 
the the ending just had a little bit to be desired. I felt like they they almost rushed the finish. The, the and 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 how that pedigree kind of came in to end the match. I feel like there should have been a little bit more of a build up, especially considering this is the main fucking event. And you know, we're not talking spectacle in this match. We're not talking, you know, um where spectacle takes over there. They have to fucking wrestle. And um, if you're going to focus on wrestling to take it home, let them, let them wrestle. And I don't think that you had enough of that to make this match really kind of carry it. Um, I didn't even have this in my top five matches of the night, which if mm-hmm. this is the main event, I feel like it should be in the top five. And I just don't think they ever quite got there because again, how can you, Wrestle a man who's just that fucking wet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, incredible. That's incredible. So true. Just just the water bottle was mad at him <laughs> as he was getting into the ring. He, he gets he gets up there and everything. Drowning pole is trying their hardest. Giving it the old college try. <laughs> and right before he does his like triple H, you know, spit thing, the water bottle looks him dead in the eyes. He goes, are you sure? <laughs> because you're pretty fucking wet. <laughs> you're Just, already there. You're, we get it, Hunter. Your quad is wrapped and you're fucking wet. Uh, that's it's like the masturbation equivalent of having already came 20 minutes ago and now you're just mashing it. Listen to that Drowning Pool the whole time. A choice of words that, uh, <laughs> that uh, we're not going to use on the show ever again. No. <laughs> At least not this week. Uh, um, so oh speaking, my god speaking of mashing it I almost, oh fucking, I almost fucking passed out <laughs> oh my god. sometimes sometimes we break the show oh, oh my god I, I, I got so fucking lightheaded I thought I was going down like I thought that was going to be the video clip of me on the show just pass it out just, 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 oh that would have been terrifying just, just, and hilarious just fucking Noah time. just Noah being like just fucking passionate in 20 minutes after <laughs> and me fucking falling right down on my face <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh my god. Are, oh my god. Those are real man tears coming out oh, of your eyes right there. Dave. A little bit. Oh my god. So so speaking of mashing it, Jeff, how'd you feel about this man? <laughs> <laughs> oh man. This 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 match had everything. It had a super moist triple H. It had a 30 pounds heavier than current Chris Jericho. It had uh, Lawler completely obsessed with uh, trying to rape and kidnap Stephanie McMahon. <laughs> I mean, what more could you want for a lackluster finish? Yeah, maybe uh, maybe it ends with mashing down too hard. Uh, <laughs> I, I think you know it was an it was an okay it was an okay match, but I think it didn't have any 
place being in the place that it was. Uh, if it was in the middle of the card, maybe it would have went over a little better, but uh, it is what it is. <laughs> Verbose. I love it. <laughs> so, Doc, tell, tell us how you feel about this one. We've had arguments over the years about this, and I, I, I and uh, downright fights almost about the placement of this on the card. But how you feel in 2022? How you feeling about this match? Uh, listen, uh, I know <clears throat> there are two types of people in this world. The people. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> <Joke>. <laughs> Just stayed with me. Anyhow, you son of a bitch. Um, <laughs> give me a second. Quality audio anyhow. content. <laughs> yeah. So anyhow, uh I, I wrote two things in this entire throughout the match. Uh, okay, look. <clears throat> Short of having the greatest match in professional wrestling history over the last 89 years, uh, this match probably should not have been the main event. Uh, but I understand why uh, Triple H lobbied and succeeded in lobbying for the match placement. It is the world's heavyweight championship. That title in theory, should supersede everything else that happens on that show. It should. Case in point, that same year, not very long from that point, Hulk Hogan is undisputed heavyweight champion. So, so was The Rock. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it, takes, it takes a month. Yeah, Hogan didn't take too <laughs> a long. A month. Um, so, like, my point is, like, they're rocking off. Rockin', I keep the, you know what's funny? I kept, while I'm watching this show, uh, a couple, a few days ago, I kept saying to myself, "Rock and Austin." Oh wait, Rock and Hogan. There's just Rock and Austin. That's a whole other conversation for another time. But um, rolls off the tongue. Rock and Hogan uh, was important, uh, but it's just a feud. The world's heavyweight championship, more specifically, the undisputed world's heavyweight championship, should be more important than everything else on the card, um, whether I like it or not. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and take, and again, I don't want to, I know I take too long, but I'm gonna take too long. Uh, so I had this thing that I've been kind of developing in my head about Triple H over the last several years about his career and watching this show really just hammered that in for me. Uh, Triple H is, is a, he's a, is a good wrestler. He's a, he's a great wrestler. Actually. He's, a, you know, really, uh, seasoned. At his in his prime, Hunter in his prime was better, just as good as anybody else I've ever seen. Like he's not a bad wrestler whatsoever. But try as he might, and he has tried, he tried for years to be the guy. He never was. And his entirety of his career, epic moments, epic feuds, epic opponents, epic entrances. He's he's he is feuded with a who's who of professional wrestling. You really stop and think about everybody. It. Yeah, he's mm -hmm. he is give it give this man his due. He has feuded with the greatest wrestlers in wrestling history, short of people who were dead or retired before he got into the business. He is feuded with Flair. He is feuded with Brett. He is feuded with Owen. He's feuded with Austin and Rock and and and. Uh, 
Foley. He's feuded with uh, Jericho. He's feuded with Punk. He's feuded with Cena. everybody. Cena, yeah. Orton, Batista. The list goes on and on and on. Undertaker. God, the matches he's had with Undertaker at WrestleMania. But you know what? He's still not in the top five. <laughs> he's still not the guy. He's still not. And it's like Hunter's career. He's he's one of those guys who's only as important as the person he's feuding with. Bingo. And it Bingo. sucks. He's a support player. He knows that deep yeah. down. He absolutely you know, knows think, that. Which is why he positioned himself wisely, smartest man in wrestling history, as you know, family to the McMahons. I mean, I'm not saying that's like why he did it, but don't fucking hurt. <laughs> no. Um but yeah, the match was fine. I thought the story was I remember the story when it was happening live. I mean, I was engaged in the story. Uh you know, everybody wanted to see Jericho get his ass with for being a chicken shit heel. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of Triple H, but it was cool seeing him come back as a big time baby face, as you know. Uh and anytime Stephanie gets a comeuppance, it's always good, uh, honestly. Because mm-hmm. she's just the one of the best heels in wrestling, period. Um but it's unfortunate that they just happened to be following the greatest match in WrestleMania history uh, and nothing they would have done outside of uh, unless Triple H had pulled off a fucking shooting star press holding a fucking chair with a stick of dynamite in his mouth or something there's nothing they would have been able to do nothing it could have been a 10 star match it does not matter because everything the audience was into it but it didn't matter anymore I wasn't into it anymore I was just checked out. I was checked out when it was live. Um, so, good match, fine main event for any other WrestleMania except for this one. You know, you say something about Triple H Jones that I think is that I think makes a lot of sense. Triple H is a great wrestler because he told us so. You know, I like mean, yeah. he he's he's important mm-hmm. because he made it that way. You know, did did it? Was it earned? I think in some cases, maybe, but he didn't earn it the way that McFoley earned it. He didn't earn it the way that John Cena did or Edge or Orton or Rock or any of those guys. Um, he kind of like, well, I'm here, too, so I deserve yeah. it. And I think I think we're I think everybody's kind of smart enough to kind of realize that to an extent. Again, not taking away anything he's ever done because, I mean, his accomplishments do speak for themselves, even if some of it is kind of self-promoted. Um, but th- that's always kind of feel about him. And I love Triple H. He's, he's always been one of my favorite guys uh, to watch. But again, it just doesn't feel earned. So, No, I'm, I'm going to just go ahead and echo what you guys have just been saying. But in a, in a strange way, I, I think he is a, a perfectly great wrestler i wouldn't even just say good i think he's a great wrestler and he yeah, he bumps great he's always been able to tell a story and and i think triple h's career is is a tale of two stories you have his best matches are all with the exception of the undertaker matches the hell in a cell match being key point right all of his best matches were not wrestlemania matches fully loaded 99 with the rock no way out with austin royal rumble with mick foley Right. All of these great matches all happen because he's a great guy throughout the rest of the year. When you're building up day weekly television, day to day stuff where he's this 
powerful chicken shit heel or even uh, sometimes the vengeful denim wearing baby face. And he's fucking going through. That's his moment. That's his time. And that shows that he's, he's a great wrestler. And despite all of our misgivings about him, which I think are absolutely accurate and warranted, he's still, uh, even without marrying into the McMahon family, a legendary wrestler and a surefire Hall of Fame. I mean, his fucking run with DX alone will be worth it. Not to mention everything he's done with Evolution and by himself and all of those other things in the my time and post all of that, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But always the bridesmaid, never the bride. That's his thing. When it comes to these big moments that he sees himself in, uh, it, the fact that it's happened not once but twice, that he's followed, put himself in a position to be the main event or lobbied successfully. He doesn't make those calls. Ultimately, Vince does. To be in the main event, it's followed two of the three greatest wrestling matches in, in WrestleMania history each time, proving that no matter how hard you swing, uh, it doesn't matter if you hit a double every time you're ever up to the plate. If you're batting against the all-time home run hitter, right after the all-time home run hitter and the bases are cleared and you're just sitting there like a like a dick on second while the rest of the game is played around you, you're never gonna you're, you're not gonna be that guy. Um, and part of me thinks, and we'd I'd love to talk about this, how influential to his ambition and need to put himself high was a the curtain call. Right. Being everyone else that went to the curtain call, Shawn Michaels is untouchable. Kevin Nash and Scott Hall were leaving and he ended up wrestling uh, Henry O. Godwin in a hog slot match and shat ate shit at the bottom of the card for how long. And two, uh, constantly being compared to everybody else of his era before he ever was. Oh, you're not, a, you're with you from a Shawn Michaels. Well, you know, you're not Shawn Michaels. Oh, you're in DX. Well, you're not as over as Austin. Oh, you're fueling with the rock. Well, you're you know, not as popular. You don't make movies like the rock. Right. Yeah. Uh, even in evolution where he was the top guy, everyone was just waiting for Batista and Orton to break out. And you're also in there with Rick fucking flair. Who's better on his worst day than you probably will be on your most moderate to best day. So it's, it's a strange story of triple H wanting so much that he sets himself up to fail. And I think I think I think there's a case in point, kids, for ambition and how dangerous it can be, how how successful you can still be, but it can be a dangerous, dangerous road to take. That being said, I think this is a there's nothing wrong with this match. It's just I think it suffers from where it is on the card. Uh I think Chris Jericho uh, is and I say this as absolute respectfully as I can, being as that he is among the absolute top favorite wrestlers I've ever seen in my entire life, and everyone knows how strong I feel about him. I think he's in over his head at this point in his career as the world heavyweight champion in front of 70,000 people on a show that he has to follow Rock and Hogan. I think there's a few people that probably could have done that and not been over it, but you needed someone in that role as the heel to really take command but the, if he was ready, they wouldn't have put Stephanie McMahon in there with him if it was enough, you know? So I think he was in over his head, and Triple H had not a lot of experience being that kind of babyface. The only other babyface he'd ever been in his career was DX, in which he had a whole lot of other bullshit and shenanigans going around them, and he didn't have to do a lot of the ass-kicking. He was just big, tall, blonde dude that said, let's get ready to suck it. That's all he needed to do, to print money. Right. So but here we are. So it's two guys in the main event of WrestleMania for the World Heavyweight Championship that have never been in this position before. And they have to follow the most iconic wrestling match in history. 
It's like a recipe for disaster. And it doesn't go poorly. It could have gone way worse than it did. But no, how could anyone care? I, I, I was the whole time you guys were talking that how what could have followed it. And Jones, you said, unless you were the greatest wrestling match in history, no one would have cared really following the match. And and I, I know this is strange, and you and there's no way that you could ever properly give the metrics to this, but I could only think of one or two matches that could possibly follow that match. And that is the other two greatest WrestleMania matches in history, which is Undertaker versus Michaels and Hart versus Austin. And the submission match that's only two matches that you could put on a car after rock and Hogan that might get this might get the same reaction they did. But those are the other two matches. And this, I think it's so interesting that the three greatest matches in WrestleMania history, in my opinion, were not the main event. They were, they should have been the main event, all of their WrestleManias, but they weren't, and nothing could follow those. So there we are in this one. That being said, I think it was the career defining moment for Chris Jericho to be able to walk into a $70,000 WrestleMania, 70,000 people WrestleMania as holding both the WWF and WCW championships, which is iconic as shit as the heel champion uh, meant that even if he had immediately pulled out his dick and started pissing on the people in Toronto, he'd still be a hall of famer. Triple H got what he wanted. Stephanie got what she wanted. Everyone got what they wanted. Plus some, and be honest with you, the people of Toronto, you've just seen Rock and Hogan. Anything else that comes after is extra. It's like bonus content. Right. So every everyone was fine. Everyone got their money's worth. They everyone got their money was worth 25 minutes before this match started. So ultimately, not bad, not bad, not great. But it was again, the crowd, the crowd was into it, but couldn't care. Um so there, there's I, I think there's a lot to be said too, Noah, about. I, I don't think you can. So if you if you finish with Rock and Hogan in yeah. this, you run the risk of what if it doesn't live up to it? Yeah. I, and that's a True. big risk to send people home on. Is Huge. that is that there if there is when you build it up and, and everybody builds it up and you say that about a lot of the matches. I mean, there's a reason Taker during the streak and everything that that wasn't the final match of the show because that's something people really look to. And I think, you know, even though we don't really like it, I think it's the smart way that you have to book it mm-hmm. is that, you know, other than, you know, um, was it, I think Hogan and uh, Andre, that was the final match of WrestleMania three, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I, I think that's the only really way that you, you have it where it's kind of been the final match and people have gone home having that, of what they've wanted. You, you, it's, it's a big risk. So, you know, I think when you kind of hit that crescendo, like in any movie, right, you hit the, you hit the climax, there's always still that falling action that kind of has to happen right afterwards that kind of settles everything down and, 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 and puts a bow on what the story is for the night. So uh, that's what I feel like this match was. It was, it was a falling action. So that'll do it for WrestleMania 18, everybody. Now, the I would be remiss without saying we've said multiple times that this is the end of the Attitude Era. And it seems like the love letter. In a lot of ways, Triple H is a babyface as the champion. Hulk Hogan's back. Austin, everybody seems to be firing on all cylinders, or do they? Um, the very next night on Raw starts the beginning of the new era of the World Wrestling Federation. Within a few weeks, we're, we're not the WWF anymore. Or the WWE. 
the next night on Raw sees the debut of a plucky upstart kid who no one has ever heard of named Brock Lesnar. Debuts <laughs> the very next night on Monday Night Raw. Within the month, we have the first ever draft. Raw and SmackDown are their own show, something that we would keep dancing around to this day, 20 years later. Eventually, the WWE champion will be exclusive to SmackDown, and we'll have our own wonderful, wonderful champion and a very newly healed Triple H. Shawn Michaels will be back in six months. John Cena will debut very shortly, and things will never be the same again. But it was time that no longer exists. So, Gentlemen, I want to say, you know, we've been going forever talking about this subject. I think it warranted it to a certain extent. I don't think there was any For way sure. we, we could have avoided it, but it's our first WrestleMania. It was the 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 pinnacle in a lot of ways, the peak, definitely the climax of the Attitude Era. Gentlemen, what are our thoughts? Jafar, lead us off. What's your what's your final thoughts on the show? Yeah, I think, you know, the the tagline for this WrestleMania icon versus icon says it all. Right. I mean, that's the legacy of what WrestleMania is about, what you want to see as a fan um, and the, the fan service that it gives you when you put an event like that on and you put a match in the card like that. Granted, we all agree it should have been at the end of the card, but uh, it it it'll go down in history as probably the greatest wrestling match of all time. And well rightfully said. so. Well said. Matt, final thoughts on this. Um, there's a lot of Hall of Famers on this card, man. Oh, yeah. You know, a lot of Hall of Famers on this card. And a lot of people that were in their prime when, when this happened. Or just past their prime. Or approaching their prime. Right? I mean, there's, there's not a lot of, you know, fat that you would trim off this, off this card. Um hard to kind of really go beyond anything that Jeff kind of said, you know, um, you had, you have the two members of, of sports entertainment that are larger than sports entertainment outside of Andre, the giant. Right. Mm-hmm. I think for, for Vince, he's always recognized the spectacle that comes with professional wrestling, his, his eye, for what that thing is and you know he gave it to us in wrestlemania 3 and uh he gave it to us here again in uh in wrestlemania 18 and uh we're all better for it you know um it couldn't happen before hasn't happened since sorry my dog's like choking on something here if you guys (laughs) hear that or not uh sorry about that if you can edit that there (laughs) choking on uh, triple h's moisture yeah yeah, if you could edit that piece out, please. Maybe. Um, but yeah, just kind of going back. Um, yeah, it it was it was the opera it was recognizing the opportunity, seizing the opportunity, and uh and, and everybody really buying what that was. And uh, you know, that makes this stand out. Point doc, final thoughts on WrestleMania 18, X8. Uh you know. Like I said about uh, Hogan and, and Rock, um, lightning in a bottle. Um, we'll, we will never see another superstar like Hulk Hogan again. Uh, I truly believe that, and I know very. I feel confident that we'll never see another superstar like 
Dwayne Johnson, the rock, uh, ever again. Um, and that pay-per-view stacked roster filled with all sorts of talented people, many of which are in the hall of fame, uh, was lightning in a bottle, you know, uh, what more can I say? You know, it was a, it was a, it was a great show, some weak spots, but by and large, most of the show was pretty damn excellent. Well said, I'll just use your phrase you use to describe, um, or parts of this night that were magic, some really great stuff. And the Hogan and rock match makes you forget about how good flair and undertaker was and, how solid Regal and, and Rob Van Dam were and the tag match, which surprised you. And, you know, and you, it's ultimately the reason Hogan rocked that You have to scratch your brain for what Steve Austin did on this damn show at the end of his run. So that was, that's what I got to say. Magic that this is, um, there's, it's only going to happen one time. And speaking of things that are one, that's it for us. But next week, everybody, there can be only one. Because we're going to talk about the immortal, incredible film, the motherfucking Highlander. Christopher Lambier, Sean Connery, Clancy Brown, the Kurgan. We're going to get into all of it. I don't even know how we're going to approach the fucking Highlander, but God damn it, I'm excited. You guys ready for the Highlander? <laughs> I'm right. so fucking ready for this. <laughs> yeah, definitely. That's, that's going to be a lot of fun. Looking we're, forward to it. We're not doing a Drew McIntyre episode. Maybe no. <laughs> I, you, maybe we will just to mess with Tom. I, I know I can sell no. Noah. I know I can sell Noah on that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we got a lot of fun stuff coming up here, coming up uh, through April, guys. Uh, we're not going to give you the whole lineup right now, but games, music, more wrestling. We had alluded to some of it earlier. If you're a keen listener, you might have been able to catch what our next wrestling show is going to be about towards the end of this month. But we really, we really appreciate everyone sticking with us. Uh, we know it's been a long journey. It's not going to, no matter what, if you listen to this twice in a row, it's not going to feel as long as Halloween Havoc feels. But dear I God, hope. we had way more fun talking about it. What a great show. Yeah. Uh, but gentlemen, thank you for uh, your friendship. Thank you for your moisture. And thank you. So and I hope nice. that everyone goes home, goes to bed, gets some dinner, and then just starts smashing it right at the end. <laughs> I didn't know pulp. Yeah. Into that's, a pulp. Oh my God. Let's not, not do that. It's not yeah. a picture that I want to paint. I'm just saying let's not rule anything out. I mean, you know, I'm ruling that out. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't sound comfortable at all. Well, we're not ruling out. You guys stick with us every Tuesday. Thank you for everything you do. Uh, check out the social media for some fun shit and uh, we'll catch everybody around. All right. See y'all next week. Take it easy, everybody. Later. Nothing good. Hey guys, thanks for listening. And if you liked what you heard, please be sure to tell a friend or two to check us out. You can follow this podcast on Apple, Spotify, and much more to make sure you get the latest episodes and all of our cheeky, cheeky shenanigans. And don't forget to check us out on social media. We have our Nothing Good page on Facebook. We're on Twitter at Nothing Good Pod and at Insta at Nothing Good Podcast. And while you're there, drop us a line. Say hello. Enjoy some of our shit posting and shameless promotion, or hell, even check out our merchandise. I promise it's really sweet. We'll see you next time.